Amen. Amen. Okay, open your Bibles to Mark 16. This has been the key scripture verse that we've been looking at for this series called The Believer's Authority. And I know it's been said a couple different ways. It's called uh, The Authority of the Believer. Some people title it. I like to call it The Believer's Authority because it's that possessive case. It's that sense that this is something that as a believer is part of my life. This is part of my life. So here's the scripture that we've been kind of working out of and then going in a lot of different directions as the Lord leads. It says this. And these signs, Mark 16, starting in verse 17, and these signs will follow those who believe. These signs. So we're about to get a list of things that as a believer, those that believe, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, these signs are the things that we should see following us everywhere that we go and in our day-to-day life as we go about doing whatever it is that God has us doing. It says, in my name they will cast out demons. Now, for those who made it and braved the weather, I am going to start talking about this portion of the scripture this morning. I know I've been hinting that I'm going to get to it. What does it mean? What is it? I'm going to probably do it in two weeks. In my name they will cast out demons. What does that even mean? Do demons exist? Are they gone? Are they here? What are they? How do they operate? How do they work in our lives? Well, guess what? They do still operate. They still are operating on until Jesus comes back officially and sets up reign forever and ever, uh, even after the thousand-year reign, we are going to have challenges in our lives that we have to take authority over. So it says, in my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them, they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. How many of those would like those to be the signs that follow us everywhere that we go? Amen? It's like I'm getting in my car today and these are the things that are going to follow me. I'm going to cast out demons. I'm going to speak in new tongues. I'm going to lay hands on people and they're going to recover. And if anything tries to come at me or against me in any way, shape, or form, it's not going to harm me in Jesus' name. How about that? This is, as a believer, this is what we get to do and walk in on a day-to-day basis. And for me, I don't know if it's just you guys, but I feel like we haven't talked a lot about this as a church. We talk a lot about the laying on the hands, but there's so many more things that comes along with this. So real quick as a review, what is a believer? What is a believer? We have a scripture or a slide up that will have it. Anyone who holds a strong, unwavering belief in the truth of something. As a believer... The believer's authority, you have to believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again for your sins. That's what it means to be a believer. An unwavering belief that that is what Jesus has done for us. And when it comes to the believer's authority, we have to have the same unwavering belief that when we use the name of Jesus, that mountains will move. And a lot of times, I've been looking at myself in the mirror, sometimes when I say things or I use the name of Jesus in a circumstance or a situation, I actually don't really believe it's going to move. How many of you have been there, right? You just, you kind of, you go through the words, you say the thing, you're like, well, I know at church they taught me to say in the name of Jesus, so I'm just going to do it. But in our hearts, do we actually believe that when we use his name, something is going to break, something is going to change? So what is authority? 
Authority is delegated power, meaning it's his power delegated to us that he can use through us. It's a delegated power, the right to command and to enforce obedience. I love that definition. To command and enforce obedience. When we're going to be talking about demons, do you understand that because who we have on the inside of us and the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of us, we can say to a demon, you have to go in Jesus' name and it has to flee. It has to flee. You have to believe that that's going to be the case when it happens. And we'll get into that. But look at that. The right to command and enforce obedience. I use the analogy like when an umpire in baseball, when they throw somebody out of a game, or when a referee kicks somebody out of the game in a football game, they have to go. They don't get a choice to debate it. They don't get to stick around and be like, you know, I, I mean, I know that was a targeting hit. You know, when I use my head to hit the other guy's head, that was targeting. And I know I'm supposed to get thrown out of the game uh, for targeting. But honestly, like, I didn't mean it. I really didn't want to do that. It just kind of happened. No, he has to leave the game. He is, the referee says, no, you are gone. And they, you know, they put their head down and they walk to the sideline. And you see him walking into the locker room. Well, guess what? In our own lives, when we command the demons to flee, guess what? They got to put their head down. And they might, do, they might not do it quietly. But they have to flee. They have to flee in Jesus' name. And then power. Power is defined as the ability to act or produce strength. Praise the Lord. So this in the name of Jesus. I gave you guys a handout today. And I'm not going to go through this. This was actually uh, what I did two weeks ago. Uh, but because there was a lot of words and I had a lot of slides up there and everyone was trying to take pictures and scurry writing them down all these things. I wanted to give you these seven questions to ask. When it seems like nothing happened in the physical realm, when we spoke the name of Jesus over a situation. And I think this is key because the Bible tells us we have all authority over the enemy and the power of the enemy, but there are some times when we use in the name of Jesus and it doesn't line up with the word of God. Or we use in the name of Jesus and there's doubt and unbelief present in our heart. So this is for you guys to take home with you guys. Look at it, read it. There's scriptures that are on there as well. But these are what I, I went through this two weeks ago, but I wanted you guys to have it. And we'll reference it periodically. So just keep it in your Bible. Bring it back to church periodically. And my hope is, like uh, Charles, you sent a picture of something I'd given out many, I don't know, it was probably six, eight months ago. And it was the mirror of God's word. And the fact that people just keep it places in their Bible and they read it every day. This is one of those things I wanted you to have. So that when you're in a situation and you're just like, I use the name of Jesus and nothing seemed to happen. Nothing changed in my circumstance immediately. I don't understand why. And these are the seven questions you just begin to seek him on. Ask him, Lord, what about this? What about this? What about this? And it, I believe it will really help you uh, in a future situation. So how many of you know you guys have heard me tell you, tell you about my sleep apnea journey? So I am fighting this battle. This is, well, I'm fighting a lot of battles, but this is the battle I'm sharing with you that I'm fighting. And I have this thing called, well, first of all, let me rephrase that. I don't have sleep apnea, okay? I'm not taking any ownership over that. I'm not declaring it over my life. I'm not saying, hey, everybody, I've got sleep apnea, because you know there are power in our words, amen? Life and death, there's in our words. So I'm not declaring I have sleep apnea. But what had happened is I've been challenged in sleeping. And 
I got, I mean, I lost my breath in the middle of the night. I said, in the name of Jesus, I tell the sleep apnea to go, and it didn't leave right away. And I still struggled to sleep. In fact, guess what, guys? I had a terrible night's sleep last night. You say, well, Pastor Jason, you should have just used the name of Jesus. And, and if you just would have believed, everything would have, you just would have been able to fall asleep to sleep, just like baby Braden, you know, on his first night, he just lays his head down and he gets to sleep. Well, guess what, guys? I am seeking the Lord and asking him these questions. And what the Lord has begun to reveal to me, one of the things he revealed to me in this situation is that it's not just the sleep apnea that's causing a problem, but I'm having acid reflux. He specifically told me that. I was struggling. I woke up. I was like, what is going on? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you're actually praying against something that it's not totally that. There's something else going on. And so when we walk through these situations in our lives, he is so able and so willing to share with us and show us what it is in our lives and the situations that we have. So I'm going to keep walking through this journey. And I can tell you, I'm going to get up here one of these days and say, man, I slept like a baby last night because the Lord has moved and worked. But he, sometimes he's doing other things in our life that we have to see what he is doing on. Okay. All right. So today, Ephesians 6, verse 12. I want to start here because we need to know who our enemy is. The enemy is not the person next to you. The enemy is not your boss. Feels that way sometimes. The enemy is not your spouse. The enemy is not your kids. Here's what the Bible says. Ephesians 6:12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Against people. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of the wickedness in the heavenly places. This sense that this battle that we're fighting is not against you and I. It's not against each other. We are fighting the enemy. We are fighting Satan. We are fighting his demons. We are fighting all the things that he has set up to try to bring us down. And I want us to understand what is a demon before we get into what we're supposed to go do about it. So what is a demon? I don't have this definition up there, but let me tell you what. It's not the spirits of dead people. There is so much garbage on TV today, and I, I praise God, I do not watch it. But there is so much junk and the walking dead and this and that and all this other garbage that we as a church, you guys have to be very, very, very careful with what you allow in your home and what to be seen on your TV. Because this is a serious kind of like warning for all of us in the church. And we have this believer's authority, but what I believe the Lord is also telling us is we have to be very, very careful with what we're watching. We have to be very careful with what we're saying. We have to be very careful with what we're letting into our homes. So these demons, they are not spirits of dead people. King James Bible actually doesn't even use the word demon. It uses the word evil spirit or devil. Demons, evil spirits, cannot operate in the physical world except through influence on, oppression of, or possession of men 
animals and things. They desire to inhabit. Their ultimate desire is to inhabit a human body because humans are capable of a wide range of expression. In Mark 5, verse 19 through 13, I'm not going to read it, but the demons wanted to enter, what, the pigs, the swine, rather than leave the country. The scripture also indicates that demons will at times live together in groups. They call themselves legion, that there are many of them. There are demons that can live in people, and there are demons that can actually take control or charge over someone. So this evil spirit, this demon, this is what their main goal in life is. Is to take dominion or total possession of an area of land, country, city, church, organization, person, animal. That's what their main thrust is. To take dominion over it. To control it. To control an area. To control a person. This is their goal. For example, in the Bible it says there's an evil spirit in one man who has physically overpowered the seven sons of Sceva. It's in Acts 19 if you want to look it up. These evil spirits, they are angry with God. They hate God. And guess what? They hate you. They do not like you. They're not happy with you. They don't like you. Their main goal is to destroy what God created and loved. How many of you are know here this morning that God loves you and God created you? So there is evil forces at work that are specifically targeted to come against you. And we have to understand what that is and what that looks like and how do we fight those battles. In James 2.19 it says this, You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Even the demons believe and tremble. They're evil spirits. They fear Jesus. And guess what? They need to fear his family. Come on, church. I want you to leave here this morning knowing that demons fear you. Because of who God is on the inside of you. They actually fear you, and they will tremble. So what are the types of demonic spirits? I know this is more of a teaching. Normally I do a little more preaching, but this is more of a teaching this morning. Uh, types of demonic spirits. There are unclean spirits. There are familiar spirits, seducing spirits, evil spirits, infirmity spirits, and I'm not going to go through each and every one of them, but in general, an unclean spirit is something impure or immoral. A familiar spirit are typically associated with an occult or witchcraft. A seducing spirit kind of goes without saying, but those are, they, they really actually speak only part truth and part lie. How many of you know that? When you hear something, you think of something, there's always, when the enemy lies to you, he lies with some, some truth in there. But it's truly a lie because he wraps it around with all these other things. But there's a lie that comes with that. And then evil spirits are spirits that can motivate people to follow ungodly lifestyles. And the infirmity spirits are spirits of sickness and disease. But take heart, church. For Jesus has overcome all those spirits. Every one of them, Jesus has overcome. Let's look in Luke 10, verse 17. 
says, And then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Church, you need to understand this morning, the demons are subject to you. Because of Jesus, demons are subject to you. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over, how much of it? All the power of the enemy. All the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Come on, church, take heart. Jesus has overcome the enemy. So if you begin to look and begin to reflect in your own life, there are deceptions that these demonic spirits are using. They will make someone who is a believer, they'll begin to make you feel unworthy. How many have ever felt unworthy? Come on, this has happened in our lives. Satan can cause people to begin to use condemnation over themselves begin to condemn ourselves for situations, for circumstances. In fact, these evil, these evil forces and spirits, they actually make you, even though you have not sinned, even though you had a thought about something, they will bring condemnation to you. And if you look in the Bible over and over, the Holy Spirit brings what? Conviction, not condemnation. That's a whole other teaching that I've done recently. We're not going to go into that. But Satan is using these demonic spirits, he's using them to deceive. He is deceiving even in the church, believing that God is not real. He's, there's things that are happening in churches, not here of course, but there are things that are happening, denying the deity of Jesus Christ. Oh my gosh. This is deceptions that the enemy is using. Denying of the virgin birth, denying the reality and the power of the Holy Spirit. Denying the gifts of the Spirit. Denying the reality of sin. This is happening in the church. These things are being talked about. So what do we do? How can we overcome some of these deceptions? I go on and on with all the deceptions, but you guys get it. You get that they're deceptions. So what can we do? How can we overcome these deceptions? Number one, we need to know the word. Come on, church. You need to know the word of God. If you are not in the word of God and reading the word of God and understanding the word of God... I'm telling you guys, the likelihood of deception in your life is greater. It's greater. It happens because you can't sit there and listen to God's word and hear God's word. Because what happens is when you are on it and you're studying it and you're seeing it and you're knowing it, anything that comes against it that's a counterfeit, guess what? You can recognize it right away. You know how they teach counterfeiters on how to know what a counterfeit dollar bill or a hundred dollar bill looks like? is they show them the real thing. They actually study the correct dollar bill or $100 bill, and they study it so they know it so well. They get it so well that the moment they see one of those dollar bills that is not the true thing, they recognize it immediately. And should we not as well as Christians be able to recognize immediately these deceptions that are coming at us? Look, I get it. We don't always, we miss it sometimes. But in our lives, we have to understand and know the word. Second thing we have to do is we have to avoid the things of this world. The Bible talks about being in the world but not of it. We are in it because this is where we are. This is where we're residing right now. But we have to understand that we have to avoid the things of this world. Pastor Jason, what are you talking about? Jesus warned his disciples 
to avoid these, these deceptions and these doctrines that were found in people's beliefs. Do you think that what we're watching on TV and we're letting to come into our minds has no effect on us? It does. It truly has an effect on us. So we have to avoid these things of the world. The next thing we have to do is avoid the things of Satan's kingdom. Say, what are you talking about? Horoscopes, fortune tellers, palm readers, Ouija boards. I mean, this stuff is absolute garbage. And its, its goal is to deceive you, to bring deception into your life. And we have to avoid those things, actively avoid those things. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Uh, one of my daughters was in a, a dance. This was a couple years ago. And there was a T-shirt that came home that everybody got who was at the dance. This was not a Christian dance or a Christian program. And there was like this symbol on this T-shirt. And the moment it came into my house, something pinged on the inside of me. It's like, what, what is that? That's just kind of weird. And so I kind of let it go. It's just a t-shirt. Come on, Jason. Right? Come on, don't get so crazy about something so seemingly benign of whatever the symbol was. And church, I could not shake it. I could not get it. It was just like I woke up thinking about the t-shirt. Every time I was thinking about it, I was like, where is that t-shirt? What is that t-shirt doing? What is the symbol on that t-shirt? And the Lord finally said, get rid of the t-shirt. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I can do that. And so I told my daughter, I was like, I'm sorry, the t-shirt has to go. And the Lord was showing me like, do not allow stuff into your home that is not of him. Don't allow it. You're just opening up a gate and a doorway for the demonic power and for the enemy to begin to work. You're literally opening up a doorway for it to work. And I would encourage you, we're going to talk about what I want you guys, you all have homework today, to go home and do. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to walk you kind of through what I want you guys to do at home. But I'm telling you, if there's anything in your home that you know should not be there, that you need to get rid of, get rid of it. All that it's doing is opening up a door for the enemy to take ground. Remember what their goal is? To take ground in your life. So we have to avoid the things of Satan's kingdom. And then guess what we have to do? We have to then go use our believer's authority. So how do we go use our believer's authority? Here's what we have to go do. So we've been talking about believer's authority. So hey, I got something going on in my life. What do I actually go do? First and foremost, we're going to give thanks to the Lord. Come on, church. First and foremost, before you even get into walking around, casting out demons, and saying this has to go and that has to go, just begin to worship him, begin to thank him, welcome him there, bring his presence in. Do you know, on, uh, there's a couple occasions, on one specific occasion, I had an opportunity with Pastor Jim, who was the founding pastor here, to legit go and cast a demon out of a person who was completely possessed of that person. Now, I've had opportunities to pray for people, to see demons flee, also, but this one was a specific person who was completely possessed by a demon. And if you've never experienced that or done that, I will try to share a little bit of it, but they don't, I mean, their eyes are weird, they're speaking funny, 
And what we began to do, the very first thing that we actually did is, is we took in our Bibles, we held up the Word of God, and we just began to thank Him. We just began to thank Him and thank Him and praise Him and thank Him. And that demon who was possessing that other person could not stand it. Couldn't stand that we were worshiping God. They, were, they started writhing around and started moving around and making these noises. But that wasn't going to deter me from praising God. And we just began to praise him and began to praise him. And then when we decided, then we said, hey, we are now going to tell this atmosphere, this demon, what is going to happen. So we declared, based on the word of God, what was going to happen. You no longer are allowed to possess this young woman anymore. And we began to state and declare the things that we believed were going to happen in Jesus' name. And then we looked right at the demon. And we began to direct our authority, our faith, and our words at the devil. And we said, you have to leave in Jesus' name. You can no longer be a part of this woman's life. You have to flee. You cannot be here anymore. And we began to speak that over and over and over and over. And the amazing part was, is the countenance change. The noises that this person was making. And then it all just changed, just like that. And we, you could sense in the spiritual realm that the demon had left. And you're just like, whoa. Boom. And that demon had fleed. And you just began to bind up Satan. We said, Satan, you're no longer allowed back here. You have to go. All of your spirits have to go. And we said, this person, you are loosed in the name of Jesus. You are free. And it was this, the, her whole countenance completely changed. She softened. She came to and basically began looking around saying, where am I? What is going on? And we begin to minister her. We, we invited her uh, to know Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, which she accepted. Uh, Jesus, I, she's still doing well today. Obviously, won't use any names. But the interesting part is, is that God moved with his authority because we are his church. And we are his people. And he didn't cast the demon out from up there. We had to do the work down here. And we had to go in front of that and say... These signs will follow us. We will cast out demons in his name. And I'm telling you guys, this should not be an occasional occurrence in our lives. And I'm not saying you're going to run into every demon-possessed person, you know, if there's someone talking funny on the street. Hey, if the Lord leads you to go pray for that person, then do it. I'm tired of being afraid, walking around and being worried about what people think. How many of you are tired about what people think? I don't care anymore. This is real work. This is the work of the ministry. This is what Jesus called all of us Christians to go do. And so what we ended up doing then, we just started thanking Jesus and praising him. Thanking Jesus and praising him. And God was so faithful and so good. And I can tell you this, that many, many times since this has happened, I've had the opportunity to go to people's houses and even my own house and pray over it. And use this exact, I'll call, and I'm not sure it's a formula, but this is what the Lord says for us to go do over our home. And your homework this week is to do this over your home. 
I'm not kidding. I want every single person who is here, some point this week, as the Lord leaves, to walk around your home. Now, you can march around it seven times if you want. You know, you can go biblical. I mean, it's a little slippery and a lot of snow out there. You don't have, no one, it doesn't say in the Bible, you got to walk around it seven times. But what I want you to do is I want you to begin to go through your home. Like, so for us, we, most of the homes we have moved into, they were owned previously by somebody else. I have no idea what that previous person did in that home. Not a clue. And so, whatever it was, whatever door they opened, whatever demonic spirits or what maybe they worshipped or whatever they did in my house now, can no longer remain. And so I'm encouraging each of you to go home and begin to thank the Lord for his goodness and his faithfulness. Declare, say in the name of Jesus, anything that doesn't belong in my house needs to go in Jesus' name. In fact, I would begin walking from room to room. Get some olive oil from your house. Start anointing the doors with oil and walking around saying, in the name of Jesus... Whatever is here that is no longer can be here anymore, and it has to go in Jesus' name. And here's the interesting part is, we've done, we've prayed over people's houses, and we weren't even at their house. Because in the spiritual realm, there's no distance. And so there's so much opportunity that you guys can go home. You can declare what's going to happen. You can direct your authority and your words and your faith at the enemy. You can bind those spirits up and you can tell them to go in Jesus' name. So here's a story. I'll close with this. Gracie, if you want to come up. In our personal life, here's a couple things that have happened. So we have a house. uh, We live on a pretty busy road. And when we moved into that house, we did this. We declared, we said, anything that has to go needs to go in Jesus' name. And we walked around our property but we didn't include the street in front of our house. And what ended up happening is, those we may have shared this story before, but one of our cats got hit and died right in front of our house. And when it happened, the Lord really spoke to us and said that was a violation. That was a violation that the enemy did and took from you something that I had blessed you with. And the moment after it happened, Liz and I, we walked out, because we had walked to the four, the four corners of the property, of our property, and prayed and said, in the name of Jesus, there's supernatural blessing and protection over this home. We took a step out into the street and said, this street belongs to the Lord. And nothing shall harm our family on this street anymore in Jesus' name. And as we did that, we just had the sense of peace that God was just clearing the area. And I'll never forget, this was probably the second or third summer that we were there. We have a swimming pool in our backyard. And we've prayed and believed for supernatural safety and protection for our family and our kids. And we had just opened up the pool. And little Noelle, who the previous year, she was three that following year, she was four in the year that I'm speaking of. She was a great swimmer. She was a fantastic swimmer. 
And so we opened up the pool, and we were all sitting around the pool, and Liz was pulling weeds out front. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go check on Mom and see how she's doing. And I began to walk around the corner of the house. And the Holy Spirit stopped me and said, go back to the pool. Go back to the pool. I'm halfway to the front yard. I'm going to go see it. Why? Go back to the pool. And I turned around, and I came back to the backyard. And at that moment, I watched Noel come down the sliding board, which ends up in the middle of the deep end. And guess what, church? She forgot how to swim. And she was flailing in the middle of the deep end. Shoes, phone and all, I jumped in, and I grabbed her. And I pulled her to the side. And I just began to weep because the Holy Spirit warned me of that situation. And he told me, and God wants to uphold the supernatural safety and protection that was in Psalm 91 that we read and what he, put, what he tells us in his word. But we have to be attuned to the Holy Spirit. We have to listen and hear his voice. And I was so thankful. And there are many times in my life when I've missed it, when he's warned me and I didn't listen and I didn't heed that advice. But I would encourage you guys, God is for you. He loves you. He is with you. He wants, he, he loves you so much, this supernatural protection, this authority that we have over demons, over demonic plagues, over all these things that this, is in this world. I want you to understand today that God loves you so much that he has given us this believer's authority to take authority over our homes, over our families. And we'll talk more about demons next week and getting into more of it, but this, this week I just felt led that I wanted each of us to go home this week. And as you walk around your home, as you pray over your home, be attuned to the Holy Spirit. Maybe there's a t-shirt there that needs to go. Maybe there's a game board that you thought really had really meant nothing, but it really does mean something and it needs to go. And I would encourage you to do that this week. So close your eyes with me, bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your faithfulness, for the love that you have for us, Lord. Father, we thank you that you gave Jesus all authority, that all authority can be found in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that that authority has been transferred to us with your backing because of your power. So, Father, I just pray a blessing over this congregation today. That you would embolden them, encourage them to walk in the authority that you have given them. That they can walk through their home and take authority over all of the evil spirits that have tried to come or have even reside in those places, and that they have to go in Jesus' name.
Father, Lord, that we would just not be so concerned about what other people think anymore. That we'd be bold enough that if you tell us to stop watching a show or to stop doing something, Lord, that we would do it. And Lord, because of who you are, Lord, that we can step into our complete authority and that when we use the name of Jesus, all demons have to flee. So just keep your eyes closed and your head bowed for a minute. I want to read. I told you guys I would do this at each, the end of each service. That we are going to bind up Satan in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to speak this over your lives. Satan, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. For it is written, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Because you are bound, Satan, you and all your demonic forces may not come against this church, these families, and these people in Jesus' name. Satan, you are bound away from us and, my, and our families. We are all covered and cleansed with the blood of Jesus. Satan, you may not steal, you may not kill, you may not destroy us or our property anymore in Jesus' name. And I remind you, Satan, that you are defeated and that we are victorious in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, you guys can look up here. We've got some small group leaders that are going to be up here that they will pray with you at the end of service here. If you need prayer for anything, if you just, if your life has been such where you've walked away from the Lord and you want to return, they will pray with you. They will pray for salvation. They'll pray for healing. Whatever it is in your life, they'll be up here to pray with you. Let me just say this benediction because for me, this is what God's been doing in my life. And I've been seeing it happen over and over as this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us, that same power that rose Christ in the grave, that is in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen? Amen. You guys are dismissed. Drive carefully. If you need prayer for anything, come on up front here this morning.